0: Revelation 9, there are really just, I should say, two main things happening here. But let's let's read the first um, 12 verses, I guess. And we'll talk about the first subject of Revelation 9, which is, it's, it's one main subject, but it's intricate. So let's look at it. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star falling from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then, out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass or of the earth, or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of the the locust was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's hair. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and they were, there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. And they had, as king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. And um, it's really interesting because you recall last week when we went over chapter 8, it ended with verse 13 that says, And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of the heavens, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants. He was warning everybody that three major woes were coming. The first is the fifth trumpet. So let's take a look at this because it's pretty fascinating stuff. Um, so, again, the whole chapter is basically divided into two large sections. The fifth trumpet and the sixth trumpet. And they're pretty intricate. And they're pretty scary, in a way. So, what we've covered so far is up to here. Um, we've covered the first trumpet, the second, third, and the fourth trumpet. And then here is the eagle flying through the heavens saying, Whoa, woe, woe. And you know what's so funny? We have really no clue what that... Um, I guess I need a new battery or something. Oh, there it is. No, it doesn't want to do it. Oh, it's on the TV. Okay, okay, I got it. Technology catches up with me. It won't work on the TV, but that's okay. So, for instance, this whoa, whoa, whoa. We've heard this, oh, whoa, whoa. You know, you, you hear kids say this. I grew up hearing that. Whoa, dude. But the reality is we have no clue. (laughs) We have no clue what this word woe literally means. We have to, I mean, in the original Greek language here, woe was something terribly traumatic. It was something that no one looked forward to. No one wanted to have to deal with. And so this eagle is basically saying, we've got three woes coming at you. Now, we are also getting close to the middle of the tribulation here. So this is bringing us, this is still the first half of the tribulation. We don't know exactly when these will all be released. We don't know the timing. We don't know if they're going to be like boom, 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 boom. If one's going to come out and then there's going to be time and then another one's going to come out. Um, If they're going to be that, that, Paced, spaced from each other chronologically. Are they all coming out kind of one at a time, but in quick succession? We really don't know. We really don't know. So I always hate it, and and I used to do this myself, but I've, thank goodness, grown out of it. I hate it when we get really dogmatic about this stuff because there's no point to it. Right. We we just, you know, it's cool to discuss it. It's it's insightful to discuss and to try and find. Uh, if there's anything else, I give you one hint or one other example. Um, the Bible says very little about the Nephilim in Genesis. Very little. In Genesis six, it talks about and eh, the Nephilim were on the earth
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> at that time, and then and then later. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know. No one knows what the Nephilim is or was. They, we just have no clue. And yet, there's so many books written on it. That you would think these people have advanced knowledge from someplace about what the Nephilim were. Now there are some other books, like, for instance, the Book of Enoch, which is uh, which is apocryphal. It's not obviously uh, ordained by God in that sense, part of the canon. But if you look at it as a possible history book, there's some interesting stuff there. But still, to take it and and be really dogmatic about it is probably not. It's probably a waste of time. So. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Is happening, and what we need to understand is these things. This evil was saying these are going to be horrendous. You don't want to have to go through these, but you've given yourself no choice because you've not repented. He's talking to the earth, and it says, "You know, you're getting what you play for," and that's that's basically what the message is. So now. We've got these locusts, these scorpions, coming from the pits. Now, of course, as you can imagine, there are a number of opinions as to what these scorpions are. Or are the locusts, right? Sorry, the locusts. Thank you. They're either actual locusts or they're not. Right. (laughs) Those are the two choices. I'm of the opinion, and I mentioned this way back when we started with the book of Revelation that I take the Bible literally in this sense that um, I take it in it in its most plain and ordinary sense. So when I'm talking with you, and you're talking with me, and you use a metaphor or a figure of speech, even though you don't mean that figure of speech literally, you mean the meaning of the figure of speech literally, and I understand that. So if somebody says, you know, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse, they're just emphasizing the fact that they're hungry. I would not ever expect them to go and kill a horse and eat it. Neither would you. Um, So in that sense, when I get to the Bible and I look at this text, I have to consider, well, are they talking about real scorpions here? Real locusts that kind of resemble scorpions, have some of the traits of scorpions? Or are they talking about some creature that is somewhat reminiscent of locusts because of the way they look, and is that, what are they doing? So let's, we're going to investigate that as much as we can, and we may arrive to different conclusions. Your conclusion might be different than mine, but the reality that we want to keep in mind is, why is God doing this? Why is God allowing this angel to blow the fifth trumpet, which is the first woe, so that the The pageantry is un, is released and the locusts are released from the bottomless pit. Why is God doing it? What's the point? That's that's what the real question is. And the point is what? It's a form of judgment. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Those that hadn't repented. Yeah. yeah. And, and it really basically tells us that. So let's look a little bit more closely. First, John is seeing this, and I, of course, he's referring to himself. Imagine, John, I mean, imagine how this would have been really weird. So you're on the Isle of Patmos, and then uh, all of a sudden you hear this voice one day from behind you that sounds like the many waters, like the Niagara Falls, plus some. And then all of a sudden, at one point in chapter 4, you're called up to heaven, to the throne room of God, because you need to see things from that perspective. So here's John having gone through that, and he didn't even know, was I in spirit or was I there physically? I don't really know. He just knows that the reality of it, it's kind of like having a very vivid dream. Yeah. And so basically what John is doing, he's seeing all this stuff play out. And he says, And I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. So this star, is it an angel? Seven. Is it an angel? Probably. Is it a demon? And is there anything in the text that gives us a clue? Well, well, First of all, it's given the key to the bottomless pit, which literally means the bottomless pit literally means the shaft of the abyss. And what we need to be familiar with is this is the abode of Satan and some demons and the beast. Now, what's interesting here is if you go to the book of Jude and one of the books of Peter, it talks about the angels who kept not their first estate, who were uh, in chains of darkness, etc. etc. And we'll get to that in... Um, We'll talk a little bit more about that in the Sixth Trumpet. But it's fascinating because this bottomless pit is where obviously Satan is going to be sequestered after Jesus returns to this Mm -hmm. world. And he's going to be sequestered. Satan is going to be sequestered there for the duration of the Millennial Kingdom, which is a thousand years. So what is this? And what is this? Who is this? The preliminary prison... It is not the final abode. This is where some of these things are kept, demons. Satan can go there and leave there. Some demons are kept in prison there. The beast is currently right there. And it says and later in the scriptures that um, this beast will come up out of the bottomless pit. So, and I think the reason God did this is because this world would be even worse off if those individual beings were not sequestered someplace.
1: So is the, when you said and the beast, mm-hmm. is that what because I, I mean the, I guess I think of the Antichrist as the beast.
0: Yeah, and there's, yes, that's what I was referring to. And there are actually two beasts. There's the beast Antichrist and then the beast false prophet.
1: Okay, yes. Okay, so I didn't know if maybe, uh, I mean, are, they, are these humans that are possessed? Because they're yeah. humans. Yeah, yeah, they are. Okay, that's the so way is I this do the, it. is this the, so is that, when, when you say the beast lives in the bottomless pit, is this the possessing spirit that possesses? As far as I understand it, yes. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. That's, yeah. that's okay. the
0: way I understand it, too. Uh, you know what's amazing, though, when we look at this? I mean, there's so much God has not told us. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, um, um, it's probably it, better we don't know. Yeah, want yeah, right? yeah, to know yeah. that. I yeah. want to
1: see that evil that is so evil right? right.
0: yeah it's, it's pretty incredible okay so this is their preliminary prison and we get more of that eventually they will all end up here um, the lake of fire as Jesus told us was created for what? it was originally created for Satan and his angels Right. I mean that's all but everyone who follows in Satan's footsteps without ever repenting ends up there Alright, so, the angel, and I think this is an angel, not a demon, because the angel releases some of these demons temporarily. And I think, that kind of gives it away, I think that these particular locusts are actually demons. Mm -hmm. That's just the way I view them. I know that some people view them as actual, uh, maybe ramped up locusts. But there's there's a couple of reasons which we'll touch on as to why I think that they're not your run-of-the-mill or even ramped-up locusts. They're not animal locusts like that or insect locusts, but they're more like demons. So this angel receives the key from God. This angel basically does God's will perfectly. So that's the key. So the angel
1: gets the key from
0: God. He gets the key from God to open up the bottomless pit. And it could very well be the same angel at the end who rounds up Satan, drags him over to this bottomless pit, throws him in, and locks the key. See, I never saw it that way. And that makes perfect sense, because who's in charge? Say what now? Because
1: who's in charge?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. God is in charge. Yeah. So what are these locusts? They're actual locusts or they're demons? It it can't be anything else, as far as I'm concerned. I I don't see how it can be something else. And I think
1: heard people argue that it's a it's a like a human creation like a drone or whatever oh it makes no sense if they come out of the pit they're not a human creation
0: right yeah right Right. yeah I've talked with people who see a lot of the things in Revelation as actual modern-day warfare technology things Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. and you know it sounds interesting and there's certainly always that possibility but these are um, these have the ability first of all they have self-knowledge So they have the ability to obey orders in the sense that a machine may or may not, if something goes haywire, Mm -hmm. it it can't follow the direction. So these are demons that assume some characteristics of locusts, in my opinion. It's no different than the first chapter of Job. Um, We're familiar with that where Job wanted to take out... Mm -hmm. Sorry, where Satan wanted to take out Job. (coughs) And it's so interesting... When Satan first comes before Job, in chapter before God, sorry, in chapter one. And um, he basically is standing there before God to tell God what he's been doing, and God brings up the whole thing about, hey, have you seen Job? What do you think about him? He he follows me, he's dedicated to me, he's committed to me. It's pretty interesting, don't you think? And then of course, Satan bites and he's like, Oh, well, yeah, well, the reason he does that is because you built this hedge around take away that hedge and he'll crumble like a ton of bricks. And so, um, of course, we know the story. God says, okay, fine, you can do this, 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 but you can't touch him. So right there, we know that Satan was limited in what he can do. And it's the same thing that applies to these demons. They're very limited in what they can do. Very limited. And what's interesting, here's a locust. And if you look at them closely, I used to have a better picture. I couldn't find it, but there's actually a better picture. When you look... Very, really close up, and you see the body of, of the locust like this. They actually resemble horses. They, they <laughs> the face, very yeah. much resemble horses. And I'm sure this is what John saw. But I think that's where the resemblance ends, because what John actually saw is more like this. It looks like a grasshopper. There's a kind of a face, kind of like a, a man's face. It's got a big scorpion tail. Locusts don't have that. Uh, He's got this armor, whether it's built into the the demon's chest itself or something they put on, we don't really know. I don't know any man that has lion teeth, um, has flowing hair like a woman. Um, So there's a a big difference between this and this. But also there's a big difference in what these locusts can do. They're They're given the ability to inflict non-lethal pain to humans for five months. And the average life cycle or lifespan of locusts, by the way, is five months anyway. I I find that interesting. So in five months, they can totally obliterate a crop. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't even take that long. So this is interesting the way there are some similarities here. But, you know, if you've ever been stung by a scorpion, I have not, you have. Yeah. I guess it doesn't feel that good. It Just was like it was a weird, it was
1: very like a weird, electric y, tingly kind of yeah. yeah.
0: And and that was a small one, so imagine. Right. And I
1: think I, I I got away from it pretty quickly,
0: yeah. And imagine some of the scorpions that are alive on this planet are huge, the big ones, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was so crazy. imagine they just think they scorpion. take that tail and they, yeah. So, the average life cycle of a locust is about five months in Revelation 9 6, John speaks. This is really interesting because it's almost like he's becoming a prophet. He sees what's happening and then God enables him to see into the future in the sense that he said, in those days, men will seek death, but they will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The pain will be so incredible and repetitive that these unrepentant non-believers will wish they were dead they will try to actually kill themselves and will not be able to die. God will keep that from happening. So more characteristics, they resemble horses but they're unusually grotesque and frightening. I mean, I can't imagine what they look like. I mean, artists, you go on the internet and look at some of the images artists have drawn based on the descriptions in the Bible and it's pretty interesting. And the crowns that they wear, they do wear a type of a crown and it probably symbolizes a victory over mm-hmm. those they oppress, which, of course, are the unbelievers. And the other thing here is we've got to remember that um, these locusts only have permission to sting unbelievers who have not been sealed. Yeah. So they obviously have the intelligence and ability to determine who has not been sealed and who has. So they, uh, the resemblance to man may suggest intelligence, These are not men, though, in my opinion. They are some type of beast. I don't really want to see them, you know? Yeah, teeth like lion's teeth. Teeth like lion's teeth. We all know what those look like. And then long women's hair. I'm not sure why that was something that John noticed, but it kind of gives you the impression of, you know, I don't want to say cavemen, but... You know, people in those long ago who just let their hair <coughs> get really long. Breast of iron, appearance of invulnerability. And remember, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of these. It's just absolutely interesting. Joel talks about these as well. Mm-hmm. And how they all are in a row. And they yeah. don't leave their ranks. I mean, it's just fascinating stuff. So their sound, the beating of their wings, is just going to be terrifying to everyone on earth.
1: Do locusts? I mean, I I, I don't know. if this even pertain? Can you hear them? Can yes. you hear swarms of locusts? Yes. Okay. Oh, you can't. I've read, I've read accounts of how how overwhelming the noise is uh-huh. because they are in such vast numbers. It wow. also blots out the sun. Though. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Africa still a has them on. I've been regular about basis the Dust Bowl, so. about you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. How the, the scout would just be midnight. It, it's mid- I know.
0: It's crazy. And but I think know. I think if locusts, just regular locusts, can make that much noise, yeah. imagine how super, how much noise supernatural beasts will be able to make too. So I think I think it's that is gonna be ramped up even further. Mm-hmm. So again, they have tails like scorpions with the ability to sting. I was in my garage once um, and every once in a while I'll see a scorpion coming through and I, I picked up something off the floor and there was the, it was a piece of cardboard. And there were two scorpions, fairly big size. And they were just they saw me and their tails went up and they just started going in circles. Hmm. And I'm not sure if that's their way of <laughs> somehow yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah I yeah. just stepped on them and yeah. you know it was over. Still so <laughs> it was over. <laughs> so they will torment unbelievers for five months. So your regular locus wouldn't know the difference, necessarily.
1: So what is the significance of five
0: months? I, a, of I, I think that that the is just the length that God determined, oh, that God determined this judgment, particular judgment will be carried out, and it is based on the fact that that real locus, actual locus, have a lifespan of five months. So in that sense... They, it resembles real locust, but that's probably where it ends.
1: And it is neat, though, because of all the events—the bowls and the trumpets—and that this is the only one that has a time period. Yeah, is that correct? I believe so. But it's a like nothing else. It doesn't give like time frame. Like yeah. this is going to go right, on right. for this length of time. But this one actually. Yeah, you're sure right. This five is months.
0: five months. So once it starts. The people probably then won't know or care about it because they don't read the Bible. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That'll be a long five months. Oh, <laughs> it's going to be mad <laughs> yeah. be a long
1: five months.
0: Oh yeah. So the locust king, the the king of the uh, pit, is not necessarily Satan. Uh, could be. It's tempting to think that that king is, but I don't think it is. I think when Satan makes his appearance in a few chapters, it's much more dramatic than this. I think the king of Abaddon or Apollyon over the pit is an underling of Satan. That's my particular viewpoint. He's a leading angel of the abyss. And I've often thought, you know, how does, how does Satan, what does Satan hold, it, hold over these demons' heads if they don't want to do his thing? And, and the only thing I can think of is he probably has the ability to send them to the abyss. Just like Jesus would have had the ability, or did have the ability. Um, so, given that choice of either being free, quote-unquote, or going to the, the abyss, they're going to do whatever Satan wants. So, Abaddon, Apollyon, same name in different languages, but that's the leading angel of the abyss. And they both, both names literally mean destroyer. So verse 12 is transitional. Let's look at that again real quickly here. Uh, where am I? One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. So John has seen this action for the fifth trumpet. And now again, he reminds us that one woe is past. That's over. It's like you said, Amanda, there's a time limit. It's coming to a conclusion. It's going to end. And now we're getting ready for the second woe. And then after that, the third woe. So the second woe starts in verse 13. Let's just read 13 to the end here. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus, I saw uh, the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. Out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. Fire, smoke, and brimstone. Those are the main uh, weapons they're going to use to kill a third of mankind. By the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For the power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. That is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely astounding, in fact, that these people who were alive then are going to be literally massacred. They're going to see one third of the remaining people on the earth obliterated by these creatures. Now, um, as we read the description, I can see why some people would think that this is highly technological armaments from military or something like that. I tend to think, no. I still think it is a creature that is demonic in origin, and I also believe that the 200 million people, quote-unquote, who make up the army back in verse 16 are also demons. Although it's funny because in the 1970s when prophecy was huge, how Lindsay came out with his book, The Late Great Planet Earth, and prophecy uh, channels just started coming up, and books were being written, conferences. They believe that at that time, supposedly there were 200 million uh, warriors in Asia. Mm. So that's part of where they get that. But I don't see that, I still see this as demonic in origin. I could be wrong. I, I think so too. Yeah, okay. I think as
1: people, we tend to, underestimate
0: the power of God. I agree. Uh, He created anything he wants. He created all this. There's no limit. How many of us have seen beyond the veil here to to see what's in the other side? I mean, literally, we are here in this dimension, right? But there are spiritual beings Uh, mm -hmm. all around that we can't see. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that was proven with Elijah when he said, you know, uh, open this young man's eyes and he looked... Because he thought they were outnumbered, and he looked, and he looked into the spiritual realm, and he just saw multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of God's army on horseback, ready to roll. And and so I think that we have no idea what's in the spiritual realm. We just really don't. We really don't. So I, I think it's probably better to understand this as God controlling demonic elements and and using them for His purposes, which He does anyway. Which Everything he, Satan does, he does. To how he allows it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's the way I view it. So we've got four bound angels. These are demons. You wouldn't bind angels unless they had done something really
1: bad. That's MacArthur's commentary too. Yeah. But these are not Yeah, these are not,
0: these are not good, good angels. these are not good guys. Right. Not good guys. So were they part of the original Genesis six 15. where uh, certain angels left their first estate that we learn about in the New Testament and found some way to cohabitate with women. I had no idea. Could be. But at, at some point, these four angels did something horrendously bad. Mm-hmm. And God said, okay, I'm going to um, bind you folks. You're going to be bound here until the hour... The day, the month, and the year when I'm going to release you for one purpose. And that purpose will be to kill one-third of humanity. And if we take this into consideration with all of the judgments that have happened already, that basically results in half the population of the earth being gone. So what do we have? About 8 billion people? So now, depending, we're going to have less than 4 billion Probably a lot less by then. So they had been prepared for that day, hour, month, and year. And they were released to do that. And this speaks to the perfection of God's perfection and His timing. It's all according to His will. And again, I believe that there are 200 million demons who will do the bidding of these four bound fallen angels or demons that will just... Go through the earth, killing one-third of humanity. With what? Smoke, fire, and brimstone. From where? Their mouths. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. So verse 17 describes the creatures that shoot fire and brimstone. They have tails with heads on them that also harm or kill. And verse 20 and 21, point to God's wrath as the reason for this torment. Because why? They wouldn't repent of their works. What were their works? Worshipping demons, idols, of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood. That's the reason that this sixth trumpet is being poured out, and even after it's being poured out, and as it's being poured out, people are still not wanting to repent. So, they're not repenting. They will continue to do what they've always done. That's scary, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Do you think they're unable to like I think they probably like, got they to they cannot it.
1: repent. They're just so given over. Right? I mean, I think we see that already today. People yeah. who just are given over to, well, it was funny logical
0: stupidity. Mm-hmm. Mark Sermon today, when he was talking about the way people are in the situation in Fayette County where the parents are arguing with the school board that they should put a litter box there. And, mm-hmm. and apparently
1: the other states, because we, we looked it up this morning, other states are going through this too. I'm sure. Specifically the litter I'm box sure. thing. So so yeah. somebody yeah. read that somewhere and okay. thought, I'm going to bring this home. Yeah.
0: It's, it's stupid. And the thing I thought of, I know. They're sick. But the thing I thought of is what we're seeing today is the results of Romans 1. I mean, if you read Romans 1, the first chapter, Paul has this absolutely beautiful, it's not beautiful in that sense, but it's just this very clear representation of how society falls. Mm -hmm. And what happens when they finally get to a point where God says, "Fine." And he throws them over to themselves. And when you get to that point, any society, this is the garbage that happens. Why this young girl needs a litter box? Who who gets to clean that? It just doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. Absolutely stupid. I guess if I was on it goes back to the parents. The parents are the problem, not this child. She's been indoctrinated in whatever this is in school. If I were on that board, I'd probably sit there and say, "Well, you know what? I know cats." That actually use the toilet and can flush. So, <clears throat> really,
1: your child needs a psychiatrist. Uh, uh, no, the parents. Do. Yeah, yeah
0: the the parents.
1: Worse than they need a litter box. I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right,
0: right. Well, next time we are going to go through chapter ten, the mighty angel with a little book. And in some of these chapters, it's very interesting. Okay, we've got kind of a break in the action here. So we've just seen the fifth and sixth trumpet in Revelation 9. We're taking a little bit of break. As John sees some of this other stuff play out, he sees the mighty angel with the little book. So his, his emphasis has gone from what's happening on earth to now what's happening in the throne room. And then we'll go back to earth. And so um, it, it's interesting. So if you get a chance, read chapter 10 next, for next week or next time. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. Are there any questions?